The Flourishing Workplace podcast is all about business and nonprofit leaders who are changing things. It's for the innovators, the risk takers, and the change agents who are going beyond business as usual, and they're creating the future. They are done with the status quo, and they are rising to a new opportunity. They think innovation, and they create it. Whether you're listening at work, at the gym, or on your commute, here you're going to find inspiration for your business or nonprofit to have impact and to create workplaces, people, and communities that flourish. Welcome back to the Flourishing Workplace podcast. We are so excited to have our friend Hassam here. He is an absolutely incredible, incredible soul. You know, we got to meet him last year and heard his story, and we thought we have to have Hassam on here. Um, He is an amazing listener. Um, He is in the making and building of his personal journey and learnings. He's helping individuals and companies develop meaningful relationships and enrich and elevate their experience, existence, and performance through listening. What a powerful thing. Welcome. Welcome to you, Hassam. Thank you, Bonnie and Abe, and thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys, and uh, I'm just humbled to be here and share whatever I can bring on. Thank you so much, Hassan, and uh, we, we truly are grateful for your time, because I think when we talk about the flourishing workplace, um, you know, I, I think we have to be aware that it's, it's not flourishing for everybody. And, uh, you know, there, there are sort of winners and losers. There are some that it's working well for. There are others who, who, who it's not. I, I know that your story is one where, you know, you as an, a newcomer to Canada have, have had challenges that somebody like myself, born and raised in Canada, did not and has not yet had to face. And uh, maybe you could just speak to that a little bit, because if, if we're going to build a flourishing workplace for one, mm-hmm. we need to make sure we build it for all. And uh, I sure would love to hear uh, a little bit about your journey. And I know the listeners would, would as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, I think uh, based on my own experience and the people I know around me, uh, when you come to Canada and you want to join the wor- workforce, of course, it's hard because there's a huge learning curve in terms of building your network, knowing what's going on, learning the language, learning the culture. Maybe you need to get qualified as engineer or nurse or something like that. So it takes time. Of course, it's hard but it's inevitable. So you gotta, you gotta do that. And, uh, it's a, it's, it, it, it's a given fact for me that wherever you go in a new place, there's so many challenges and new stuff that you need to learn. It takes time. Uh, that's given for me actually is, it's hard when you get into the workforce. So you get your first job after two years or a year or whatever. And then the hard part starts then because, that's when going up the ladder or getting promoted or getting the positions that you want, that's the, that's the uh, point. It's get much harder than getting just in the workforce. And uh, for so many different reasons uh, that uh, it's a culture in the workforce as the norms in the workforce. And I don't want to blame just the workforce culture and everything. Some part of it is on people too. Uh, there's a famous uh, experiment that they say that they put a bunch of monkeys in a room and they put a banana on the corner and one of the uh, monkeys got there. They put it like hot water or something. So he 
he learned the lesson that not to touch the banana. The second monkey went to get it. The first monkey just pushed him away, like, don't do it. We all get, like, tortured or whatever. At some point, they replaced all those monkeys, and the new monkeys were all in the room. And for no reason, they just stopped going to take the bananas. And that's some something in the same place, too, because you don't see a lot of uh, immigrants in higher management. Then that makes those people say, okay, it's no... There's no, uh, it doesn't make sense to make so many effort to get there because I, I will never get there. So some part of it is on us because you, because of the situation, you don't get the courage to challenge yourself or challenge the management or challenge the corporation. And some of it is on, on the corporation part. Uh, so what I, based on my experience was from certain uh, point of, uh, management, you don't see a lot of diversity or inclusion. And the other thing is, if you if you see some people that like uh, different ethnicity or race or color of skin, if you deep look deep down, they're more Canadian than just being uh, like diversity. They're like there's a there might be a chance that that guy is Asian but he was born or raised here. There's a, a guy with a color of skin, same situation. Like he's been here or she's been here for 20, 30 years or 40 years. I don't see that as diversity or inclusion. Diversity and inclusion is much more than just having uh, different races, different ethnicity, different color of skin. It's having different mindset. It's having different uh, set of skills, different experiences, <clears throat> different ideas. So that's the true meaning of diversity and inclusion. Uh, so to me, that was the biggest, like a biggest challenge, moving up the ladder and being in, engaged and being involved and get to the positions that you want rather than just get into the workforce. That's a really interesting notice that I remember us talking about a while ago. And honestly, I never even noticed until you pointed that out. I mean, I might have noticed, but you really just highlighted it. You know, when you all of a sudden, it's something is highlighted and then it, your eyes are open. And I realized that boy, like when, when that kind of a standard is being set, what, what does it tell our young, young ones who are just coming to Canada, what they can aspire to? And I thought that that was very important that you brought that out. Yeah. In our conversation, you had mentioned that it's, it, you want teams to understand why they need diversity, not just mm -hmm. to have diversity. I'm wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. Uh, sure. It's, uh, if you're just doing the diversity and inclusion just because of the hype and the trend and just for the reason of equality, you're just missing the whole point. It's not about that. It's if you're not having different pay and that that's why it stays on paper. And that's why a lot of times it stays just with HR department and you don't see it actually happening. Uh, you miss a lot of opportunities and a lot of uh, innovation and creativity. If you're just doing diversity and inclusion just for the trend or looking good or reputation or just for attracting talent, that's, uh, it's just a cover of that. When you understand that, when you understand why, when you understand if you have more people, if you have a diverse people with different experience, mindsets, skills, experience, you, you, you know that you can use that, you can leverage that. 
and creativity and innovation in getting people more engaged to be more productive, uh, to have more skills and stories for problem solving, then you can actually use diversity and inclusion and you can actually see the result of inclusion and diversity. If you just get uh, caught up with the hype and reputation and the trend, uh, it'll just stay at some point and people don't believe it. Even if you're even your employees don't believe in it. It's like, okay, you have 30% women, 20% uh, different ethnicity and color of skin or whatever. It's just, they're just numbers. Are you actually using it? Are you actually leveraging that in order to whatever you want to get to? So if you don't know the why, then you can't even use it. You don't know even, you don't even know what's met you. What, what is that you're missing? I think that you're you're 100 correct on that, and I, I think that you know we we at Wellness Innovate we like to talk about the concept of belonging, you know, so much more than than you know diversity and inclusivity. And and when you you talk about you know diversity and inclusivity, these are these are more political constructs, uh, you know, to some degree created in in the world of HR law. They are very important, but we we do understand that belonging is actually really supported by the science, the neuroscience of what we need as humanity to feel complete. And, and, and I think, you know, it's easy for people to talk about that academically, but, but how do you create something, you know, in a company uh, or a nonprofit even where you have true belonging, right? I think this is, this is what we have to get to. Cause if I'm in a group or you are, and we don't feel like we belong, you know, and, 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 and we're all putting up walls uh, rather than bridges and we're all not feeling safe and having to protect ourselves. You know, that's going to impact the, the workforce. That's going to impact our profitability. That's going to impact our retention, our engagement. So, so how do we really help people to feel they belong? Because I, I personally, I like to go beyond, you know, just, you know, just, just because you're diverse. I think what you're saying is it doesn't mean everybody feels they belong. And, uh, and that's so critical to activate the best part of our mm -hmm. sort of professional capacity. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm, not, I'm no expert in diversity or inclusion. Uh, so I can answer your question with a simple question is, what was, when was the time that you felt you belonged to somewhere? If you wanna answer, that, like if you're looking how you can make the sense of belonging to someone, the first answer you need to, the first question you need to answer is, when was the last time you feel that you felt you belong to something? Uh, I, I, like I searched about, like I searched and studied about diversity and inclusion. Interestingly enough, I couldn't find a lot of, a lot about listening as part of diversity and inclusion. When you read articles on LinkedIn or you read books, they're talking about self sense of belonging, uh, top-down approach, uh, like numbers don't automate inclusion, or it should be a continuous effort, or uh, it should be empathetic leadership style. None of them are talking about this. I actually, like when I see an article or a book or something about the diversity, I search the word listen, and almost all the time, it doesn't show up. And to me, I see listening as the missing link, not just for diversity and inclusion. Look at our world today. It's so polarized in politics and everywhere. I was reading, I don't remember the book, but they looked at the, I think it was the Congress of US or the Senate of US. 
and there was a spectrum of the Congress men or Congress women and how they're connected to each other. If you have a spectrum of conservative or Republican and liberals or Democrats on the other side, like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you had a bunch of them, a lot of them at the end of the spectrums. And as you get closer, you still had a lot of people connecting and making bridges between the two. Like you had at the beginning, you imagine you have 50 people, 50 people at the end of spectrums, and then you come and it's 30 and then 20 and then 10 and then five. That is kind of a bridging overall. And he compared 40 years ago to like recent. At the end, it was just two person on each side at the middle, one person here, one person here. The rest of them would not talk to each other, would not listen to each other. So that's the missing, that's the missing link in politics, in workforce, in, in, in families, in parents, uh, like in parenting. The missing link all comes down to listening. Mm. It's uh, when you want, like, it's, it's in listening that you learn. It's, uh, and look at education system or even workforce. You have training on public speaking. You have training on presentation. You have uh, courses, books on self-expression. Uh, there's not, I've never come across in a, on a course about listening. Like if they might talk about the topic, but in my mind, if there's a course for public speaking, if there's a course for presentation, there should be a course on listening, like individually, but there's none. Like I, at least I could, I, I did my MBA. There was, we had a course on negotiation and like there were so many different aspects of negotiating, but true meaning of listening was missing. Uh, to me, it's like a couple of years ago, I came across a course that says, learn how to learn. And I was like, learn how to learn? Like, what's that? Because we're, we're so used to it, we don't know that we need to learn how to learn. Or it's about learn how to think. Like, has anybody taught us how to think? Like, there's nothing like that. There was course in how to writing. We had a lot of courses in writing or in communication or whatever. There were no course for how to think. There were no course how to learn. There's no course on how to uh, listen. So I think that's the first thing. And the other point was when they talk about top down or uh, top to bottom approach for in implementing uh, diversity and inclusion, they talk, okay, the CEOs or the executive leadership, they need to uh, understand that, they need to practice that so it can get to the bottom. But if you don't teach the executive or CEOs how to listen, then they're not gonna be able to make people belong somewhere to me is like you're invited to a birthday party as a kid you're invited you're physically go there you're physically there but if you do, if no one engages with you or no one includes you it does you will feel much much lonelier than just sitting home alone and just just being physically there it doesn't help you it's actually hurts you much much more when you're somewhere physically and you yes. don't feel belong to that place mm -hmm. and the question that I ask you when, when is the time that you feel belong somewhere? It's when someone listens to you. Yes. It's, it's sure. when you feel that you matter, like your opinion, your thinking, your feelings, your emotions. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't experience that, you, I, like personally, I don't, I've never felt belong somewhere 
without being listened to or without being heard. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 100%. Issam, um, I think that what you have just said here is is the key. This is this is what we need and all of us have one felt need and that is just to be understood and the only way we can get that is is by being listened to and to listen and I know I've learned so much from you just in very brief conversations. I can only imagine, you know, sitting down longer and people are such gifts to be uncovered. And I love what Brene Brown says. She says, you know, people are hard to hate close up. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. lean in. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, one Hassan- thing, uh, sorry, just one thing is uh, companies, they love numbers, KPIs, metrics or whatever. And they usually for inclusion and diversity, they come up with numbers of different things. And I've never seen a listening index. What is your listening index of your company? Like how do they, how people feel they listened instead of asking, uh, 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 if you feel belong here, it's like, just ask, uh, what do you need? I want to listen to you. The other thing is in like, I was thinking that, The first question they ask you in any interview is tell me about yourself or tell us about yourself. I think that should be changed to what's your story? Instead of asking, tell me about yourself, because if you ask, tell me about yourself, they say, okay, I went to school, this, this, I worked on this project, this, this, I work for this company, blah, blah, blah. But if you ask them, what's your story? Then they have to tell them like their actual story then that's that's when you get to know the other person that's when you understand that person just by simply ask changing that question to something else you get to you get to people in a different way get to know people in a different way so good well that's so good uh you know and, and we're so grateful i love um you know what you said uh which is this concept that people feel like they belong when we when we are heard and uh you know the, i think when you look at the anger that you see in social media and anger on the streets you know regardless of of the why uh you know in in, in other words the the exact political cause or situation you know i think we can all point to people who just feel like they're not being heard and 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 i think that somehow leaders need to create uh, you know, workplaces where people will be heard. And, and uh, obviously in that hearing, we'll be, uh, you know, increasing our belonging. So thank you so much, uh, Hassam, for taking some time with us here today. Uh, you know, we have um, at Wellness Innovate been, been working very hard to create a program called Flourishing Workplace, where actually we, we teach a lot of these skills, actually the ones that you highlighted, you know, how to listen, you know, mm-hmm. how can a leader actually hear? Uh, and and uh, and not just the leader, but also the employee, so that we end up with with two way dialogue and mm-hmm. um, a dialogue that that really nourishes the soul. So, you know, you you know, if anyone's listening, you can find out more about that at flourishingworkplace.com. But um, you know, how many final thoughts? Because you know, as we bring this to a close, we sure would love to give you an opportunity to share and and also to let people know how they could stay in touch with you. Uh, and or connect with you sure uh just one thing i was reading this book called you're not listening and uh, i think it was just introduction or whatever but uh 
the the author is a journalist and like he he talked to so many different people interviewed like ceos like public figures or whatever and she said it was interesting when i asked them a simple question who listens to you they couldn't come up with an answer that they couldn't say who actually listened to them and they couldn't even say what's what does listening mean to them or when i or, or do they even know what listening is uh that was kind of striking that people don't know anybody that listen to them so for people who are listening to us i'm inviting them to ask that question from themselves when was the last time or who was the person that they felt that they listened to them and do they even know what listening means or uh what does it mean to be listen or to listen or to be listened to it it's just a simple question but answering that question is not as simple as the question such a good question well we'll leave everyone with that powerful question that hasam has given us and we just want to say again thank you so much for being here and we want to just let every listener know to stay tuned for our next week podcast and to take care until then bye now thank you so much thanks, thanks.